It's Wednesday, October 26th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the World Series it seems like it's uh, it's still a week away, uh, yeah. not until Friday. But uh, in the meantime, we've got plenty of hot stove stuff to talk about. Uh, there are 28 other teams in the league uh, uh, still jockeying for position in terms of managerial openings and uh, getting their houses in order for uh, for the offseason to be in full swing uh, before the Phillies and Astros match up. Uh, and, and today I thought we'd we'd open by uh, by talking a little bit about the the managerial openings uh, that are still out there. Uh, just recently hired uh, in or just announced uh, recently, I, I believe Bruce Bochy is jumping back in. Uh, he's going to be uh, on the uh, the bench for the Texas uh, Texas Rangers. Uh, so he was recently hired. Um, Rob Thompson uh, signed a two-year contract to, to stay with the Phillies. Uh, so he's going to be there. And I believe um, John Schneider named the permanent replacement uh, uh, last week in Toronto. Uh, that leaves a, a few uh, openings still uh, to, to, to be... Uh, sort of squared away, uh, even two of them in the American League Central Division, which will affect the Guardians in one way or another. Uh, we've got the the Marlins, the Angels, uh, the Royals, and the White Sox still without managers uh, and still looking. Lots of lots of rumors out there. Uh, let's uh, jump into the one I, I believe uh, just recently today was announced that uh, Clayton McCullough, the third base coach for the Dodgers, is uh, interviewing and uh, could be a finalist in Kansas City. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, uh, you know, w- what they let um, Matheny go at the end of last se- at the end of the season. No surprise there, especially after, uh, uh, you know, they uh, they they fired the GM there, Dayton Moore, a little uh, be- during the season. So uh, yeah, new manager there. They're looking for a new manager there, and um, you know. I think, you know, it's, I don't know, Joe, what did you think of the Royals? I, I was, you know, I thought I was expecting so much more from them and they just did not look like a very good ball club to me. Yeah. They, they, they didn't play up to, you know, their potential at least. And, you know, they've got, uh, we saw Bobby Witt Jr., uh, a very talented young player, uh, certainly a guy that they can build around uh, for their future. And, and I think they're going to want a manager to match sort of that energy Maybe a younger guy uh, with Dayton Moore. Uh, that uh, that move right there to to sort of part ways with Dayton Moore uh, as their GM was sort of universally panned uh, throughout the league. I think a lot of people had a lot of good things to say about Dayton Moore and and just what he brings to an organization and what he's done in Kansas City. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where he lands next. But in, in the meantime, you know, whatever their situation is there in, in Kansas City, uh, bringing in a new GM, bringing in a new manager, uh, it's it's going to it, it might have actually set them back a little bit. They've, they've got a good young core and they've got some good young pitching coming up. But, uh, you know, it's going to take a, a year or two for them to get on track, I'm assuming. Yeah, they go 65 and 97 this year. And, it you know, it's hard to believe in 2015 
I mean, I guess that's that's maybe it's it doesn't seem like that long ago, but they were they won the World Series. They were in back to back World Series and they just kind of, uh, you know, topped out salary wise, payroll wise. And I was reading something, Joe, that in the last 30 years, they are the last they're the they're they're the last like, um, you know, uh, team with a payroll in the lower half of uh, the MLB rankings to win a World Series, a small market club. So, uh, you know, I guess it, it's kind of a uh, cautionary tale. You know, you can go for it all, but, you know, and, and if you get it, okay. If you win it, fine. And, but, uh, you know, then, you know, there seems to be a, a big price to pay if, if you can't maintain that, those players and, and that payroll. Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of the story of you know you you shoot your shot and uh, and and there you go if you if if you get it and they they came through they they they're sort of the Cinderella story, um they they made it work and then basically had to just like the the Marlins back in the the nineties they had to sell off all the pieces afterwards because you know you couldn't afford to keep all those those high priced players around. Uh, we saw that the uh, the Marlins have hired Skip Shoemaker uh, as their manager. Um, what's, uh, what do we know about, uh, Skip Shoemaker? Is, is he, uh, a, a guy who, uh, can, can turn that franchise around after Don Mattingly, uh, parted ways with the club? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, uh, Shoemaker, you know, played a long time in the big leagues, kind of a super utility guy. He was a bench coach in St. Louis, which seems to be kind of a jumping off point for managers. David Bell was a bench coach in St. Louis. You know, he became the, the, the Reds manager. Shoemaker was a bench coach there. Now he's taken over it, uh, with the Marlins. You know, the, the Marlins have... Very, very good pitching, Joe. You know, we, we, we've seen that time and time again. Great starting pitching. But they just, uh, for whatever, the re, you know, they just can't get out of their own way. And they're, they're in such a tough, you know, tough, tough division. You know, Atlanta, the Mets, uh, and Phillies, you know, three playoff teams are are in front of them and you got Washington in that team in that in that in that division that you know won the uh World Series a couple years ago uh they th- so the Marlins go 69 and 93 last year and uh I think uh you know Mattingly had probably I think he would he was done pulling his hair out when Jeter got out of there you know kind of you know stepped away from the organization I think that was a signal that Mattingly was as well yeah, we're we're seeing the same uh, names pop up as well in in this sort of managerial hiring cycle uh, as candidates. Uh, the Rays bench coach Matt Kataro, who has connections here in Cleveland, he was the assistant hitting coach uh, here um, uh, for a time. Uh, he was uh, and he's the bench coach in in Tampa Bay with Kevin Cash. He's he's a popular interview candidate around baseball right now. Uh, Astros bench coach. Uh, Joe Espada, Yankees third base coach uh, Luis Rojas, who who served as the Mets manager, uh, kind of like an interim uh, season before they hired Buck Showalter. Uh, these are these are the names that keep popping up all over the place. Uh, could any of those guys end up in Chicago, where we saw what the circus was like with Tony Larusa these last two seasons? Uh, they're obviously looking for somebody with uh, with some sort of stability to take over a, a lineup that's really built to win. Yeah, that they, you know, obviously that was a mismatch, you know, no matter if you didn't like uh, La Russa or you liked him, you know, I think uh, it just, 
people scratched their head when they hired him and they're scratching their head. They're still scratching their head about that move. I think, you know, obviously they, I think they'll go with the younger manager. You know, I, I read where Ozzie Guillen, former White Sox manager would, uh, was, was going to interview. I mean, I think Ozzie would make things a lot, a lot more interesting on the South side of Chicago. There wouldn't be, there would never be a shortage of something to write about. I don't know if he's, he's the guy or not, but I would think, uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of an old school organization, Joe, you know, with, uh, you know, they just, uh, with Reinsdorf, you know, still at the head of that, you know, obviously, I don't know how much they went into analytics. I don't know how much they went into, uh, you know, the, the, the new wave of, uh, you know, dissecting opponents and, and, you know, putting a, a winning team on the field, but you're right. That team is ready to win. All they have to do, Joe, is stay healthy. And they, they did, they had a terrible run of bad luck this season. Yeah, that's, uh, it, it was not a, uh, a great situation, uh, just from observe. Hey, you know, the guardians and, and Cleveland sort of took advantage of, of their, uh, dumpster fire and, and, you know, rolled right past them for a division title. Uh, I, I, I got to believe if they get the right guy in there, uh, they could make something work and be way more competitive next year, um, you know, right away with this club. So, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, I, I've seen a whole bunch of names, and some of them kind of make me, like you said, scratch your head. Uh, uh, one of them was that Ozzie Guillen uh, rumor. Uh, I, I've seen uh, A.J. Pruszynski as a, as a oh, potential God. candidate. <laughs> Could you believe that? That would be there would <laughs> be, a be a fight be a, every night. Yeah, there'd be a fight every day on the field. <laughs> uh, there would be fights in the locker room and on the field. It would be ridiculous. I mean, he's uh, go. Please, please hire AJ Przinsky because the <laughs> I, I will be front and center with my popcorn watching that. That would be uh, hilarious. Uh, I also saw a, a, a post that had Jim Tomey as a potential candidate. Jim uh, Tomey. Yeah. Could you believe that? That there's no way that his Tommy is much too smart to be a manager. I think. I, his, I think he'd be a hitting coach. I remember him saying, if Sandy Sandy Alomar ever got a job, he would kind of sign up to be his hitting coach. But I don't know if I don't know if Tommy's going wants to be a manager. I can't see. I mean, isn't his uh, isn't his son like right in, right about high school age right now, Landon? Wouldn't he be? You know, I, I gotta believe that that Tommy's kid would be. Uh, a priority and and he wouldn't want to be you know on the road for 300 days a year um but you know who knows it's the name was out there in a in a post it's, it's on mlb.com <laughs> as a potential guy i saw carlos beltran i saw uh joe madden joe girardi as uh you know guys with with sort of credibility that that they could bring in uh and even bringing back a guy like miguel cairo uh although it it's sort of you know, looked like initially they they responded to Miguel Cairo in an interim capacity, but you know, at the they they sort of, they really sort of faded under him as well. Yeah, I mean, I I I I remember reading stories where he's pleading with them to play hard. You know, yeah. if you're if you're a manager and you got to plead with your players to play hard, I mean, a there's something wrong in that clubhouse, and you know, the interim guy, you know, it's like the substitute teacher. He's not going to be able to turn it around unless you know he has really the, a strong backing from the front office, and the, the players know this guy is going to be around for a while. So you know that was just it was just like a lost season 
for the White Sox to me. And I would love to see Tommy as a manager. I think, he, I, you know, I'm not saying he couldn't be a manager, but I, I just think, uh, I think that'd be cool. That'd be cool to cover him. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be neat to, to walk in there and, and, and do a pregame interview with him and just, uh, those would probably, the, that pregame interview would probably take 25 minutes just sitting there <laughs> talking to him. Uh, because you wouldn't be able to stop Like you wouldn't be able to get away. Uh, he would keep talking and talking. Uh, that would be it. So, uh it, yeah i just don't think it's a it it's something that he would pursue right now but that's just you know i i'm not speaking for him i obviously i don't know but uh interesting that the that the name was out there in a post uh, kind of had a, a that same kind of funny reaction when i saw it uh all right that uh you know we'll we'll keep track of managerial hirings obviously the ones that affect the guardians most are uh the royals and white Sox, but Really, uh, they're going to see every team on the uh, on the schedule next year. So uh, every there's there's a chance to play every club at least once next year. Uh, the the opportunity is there to see all of these new managers in action uh, beginning next season. Uh, yeah, I thought Joe Joe. I thought Bochy was an interesting hire in Texas. I did not see that coming. I thought you know after he got done with San Francisco, uh, you know wins three World Series over there with the Giants. I thought, you know, he would kind of fade off into the sunset, but apparently, you know, he still wants to manage. Wouldn't, I mean, if you were Bruce Bochy and and the career that you've had, wouldn't you want to take over a club sort of like the White Sox, sort of like a, a, a team that's sort of built to be ready to win now and not a team with as many question marks as the Rangers have? Yeah, I, I, that that was something that that really kind of struck struck me, and and uh, you know his pitching staff. I mean, the, you know, the, I mean, how long have the the Rangers tried to put together a good a good staff? They've they've always struggled. I mean, they've got they spent what a half billion dollars over the winter last winter on free agents, and you know they still what they still they still lost ninety four games and fired the manager. So, you know I, that. I mean, he he must really he must have the the itch to get back in the game. That's all, I, or they're paying him a lot of money. It's probably both. It's either uh, hey, probably the money. Uh, maybe he likes the new ballpark. Who knows? Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, uh, it could be any number of things. But uh, maybe maybe he just doesn't want to be at home uh, during <laughs> the season the whole time. That's there, there's a lot to tie. It did retirement didn't work for Tom Brady. You saw saw how long that lasted. So, um. Yeah, it, interesting. We'll we'll keep track of all these managerial uh, sort of changes and and openings uh, right up to uh, till the the whole uh, season gets squared away and everybody uh, gets hired. All these spots are filled, but uh, you know, always every year there's there's a handful of them and uh, new guys get put in place. Uh, it used to be there there was a, a you know it was skewed towards going to younger guys then. Guys like uh, Larusa and, and and Showalter get hired, and they're in their seventies, and you know who knows uh, uh, which way it's going to lean more this year. Uh, all right, uh, next thing we wanted to do on today's podcast was uh, give an outlook for the starting rotation for the Guardians in twenty twenty three. We've been sort of uh, looking at these different position groups over the 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 last several days. We started with the catchers. We did the outfield yesterday. Uh, starting a rotation seems like a good place to uh, to to sort of jump in today. Uh, you you can't go wrong when you've got a rotation uh, that you're you're leading off with a guy like a Shane Bieber, 
who uh, after, you know, after a slow start to the year, really turned it on late. And uh, Shane Bieber made himself a, a Cy Young candidate again this year uh, just by being healthy and being consistent and just by being Shane Bieber. Yeah, definitely, Joe. He had, a, you know, really a, a great bounce back season, made 31 starts, pitched 200 innings, 13 and 8. Uh, ERA under three, 2.88, um, just missed 200 strikeouts, 198, uh, 36 walks, uh, just uh, really, really a solid season, 200, 230 batting average against, uh, and like you said, Joe, when they needed him the most, he was clutch going down the stretch. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very much a typical uh, sort of what you expect out of Shane Bieber. Uh, season, uh, along with Tristan McKenzie, uh, he he was uh, one of the guys who uh, had multiple starts uh, under age 27 or younger, uh, and record to record a, a sub three ERA for the the first time since uh, 1968. So, like, you know, think about it. Just the way that uh, they provided he and McKenzie at the top of that rotation provided. Uh, that stability and that idea, that sense that even if um, other guys in the rotation had gone short uh, and you would you would burn your bullpen, uh, there was always a chance that uh, that Bieber or McKenzie would step up and give you length and give you you know six seven innings in an outing. Uh, he did that so many times throughout the season uh, that it was it, it was impressive to see him just be that consistent and and give you the length that you that he was able to give you. And then he turns around and, and gives you two solid starts in the postseason, Joe. Just just a gr- great season, you know, solid season. And, uh, you know, hopefully, the, you know, there's there's more to come here. That Maybe that's just, you know, the, the jumping off point. Because, like you said, he bounced back after, you know, having a shoulder injury in 2021. You know, now he's he's come back. He's, he's I think he... More importantly than anything, he proved to himself that he was healthy, that he, especially in the second half, his his velo, you know, had kind of dropped off, but then it ticked up a little bit toward the end of the season. So I think everything is good going into the offseason with uh, Bieber. The big thing with Bieber uh, now, now that we turn the attention to the offseason and, you know, he can do his normal routine and, and get, get prepped for the regular season that way. Uh, there's there's going to be distraction. There's going to be talk. Every It happens every year now. Uh, about a, a contract extension and, and is he willing to sign as the team, you know, able to offer him uh, the something that would make him want to re-sign here and, and, and offer an extension. Uh, it doesn't look good as of right now because it, it you, you get the same sort of sense as you did with, with Francisco Lindor that, uh, you know, the, the team would be willing, but it has to be on their terms and, uh, you know, Beaver's sort of betting on himself. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Um, I think, you know, they have tried and tried again to, to get this guy to sign. You know, he has shown no inclination to sign a, a, a multi-year deal. Uh, he's got two years left. And as we've said before, the closer a player gets to free agency, the harder it is to sign him, you know, to a, to a long-term deal. Uh, I, you know, I, I'd really be surprised if they did it. But, hey, Joe, they got it done with uh, with Ramirez. But, you know, Ramirez made some some concessions as well. You know, he took a home, not a hometown deal, but, you know, a discounted deal. Uh, so, you know, that that would be the only way I think they get uh, Bieber's name on the dotted line. 
and I don't think they're going to sign him to a seven-year deal. They're, they're, they're not, no pitcher. I don't think you, you'd ever see Cleveland sign a pitcher to uh, that lengthy of a deal. Yeah, I, I think if they don't get something done with him this year, I think this is his last year in Cleveland. Uh, just because if you if you get an extension signed this year, you buy up, uh, you know, two years of his arbitration, uh, and then maybe uh, you know uh, a year or two after that with options and and whatnot. Uh, it, it's not going to be something that looks like the Corey Kluber deal that they did, you know, way back when. Uh, that, you know, had those escalators and if he hit those benchmarks that he could, you know, make it into one of those, you know, top pitcher deals. This, this is not a club that, that pays guys $44 million a year to, to, to pitch one season. It it just doesn't happen. So I think if they don't have Bieber signed by the end of this off season, by the start of, of, of spring training, or I'm sorry, by the start of, you know, the season, like they did uh, with Ramirez, I think this is his last season. They trade him next off season, and you know uh, that that puts the onus on guys like uh, Tristan McKenzie, who who showed sort of a, a flash this year that that he could be a number one guy. You, there were times where you walked out of that ballpark after after Tristan pitched that you said, "Man, this is a kid that they could ride," you know, uh, deep into a season. Uh, I, I thought he was brilliant at times this year. The only criticism you can have of him uh, after this year, uh, McKenzie, was that he, he gave up the three-run home run, and, and and that put this team in a disadvantaged position uh, when when that happened. But you know, if he kept the ball in the ballpark, Tristan McKenzie was was pretty lights out. Oh yeah, Joe, I I agree completely. Um, you know, we've you know we've and we've talked about this. I mean, we saw him conquer his walks. You know, from 2021 to this year, this this past season, 44 walks, 190 Ks in 191 innings. You know, the, he cut. You know, he went from what le- nearly leading the American League in walks last year to uh, you know to really kind of getting that to getting the strike zone under control. So we've seen him improve, you know, and, and he's still young enough that where he knows what he has, you know, he knows he's got to get better and how to get better in those areas. What, 11 and 11, 296, another guy with a ERA under three. He, and, you know, as, as you know, as, as, as you know, you look at his uh, frame, you look at his, uh, you know, his body and you wonder, can he, can he carry, can he last through the full season? Well, he did 31 games. 30 starts, nearly 200 innings. Then, Joe, like you were saying, nobody hits this guy. He, yeah. the, His batting average against was two, 201. This guy gave up 138 hits in 191 in the third innings. So, you know, that is, that's, you know, you, you don't get much better than that. That is kind of, those are Cy Young numbers. His whip is great, you know. All he, I think, the next step for him is to keep the ball in the park, and you know who knows where this kid is going to go. Yeah, I think uh, it, we've we saw that progression. We saw sort of those light light bulbs go off in order, you know, uh, of, of the things that he had to sort of conquer, and and you know, the, getting control of the strike zone. He was third in the AL with with an uh, uh, 09, uh, with a nine fifty one whip. Okay, it was under one. He was with his walks and hits per inning, uh, third in the American League. Uh, he he did that. He conquered that demon with with the walks. Now the next thing is just you know 
let trusting your stuff and 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 not giving up those those home runs in those critical situations. I think that's you know sometimes you you maybe lose a little bit of that focus. Uh, you know, every you talk to him, you, you talk to him post game. He's locked in. He's he's very much you know he's very sharp and he knows exactly what mistakes he made. And, you know, and that gives me hope that that he knows how to fix those mistakes and or he he knows you know, just by identifying him that he'll be able to 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 correct that home run issue. Uh, next year, I think, could be an even bigger season for him. Uh, it also, you know, means that he'll be on everybody's radar and they'll they'll be, you know, knowing that that he's a guy who could, you know, go six, seven innings a, a, a start. So uh, the strikeout numbers were fantastic. The Like you said, the opponent batting average was was outstanding. Uh, this was just an all-around really, uh, you know, positive uh, experience for him. And and then to go and do what he did in the playoffs, uh, you know, his his start uh, against Tampa Bay, I think, uh, in that that game that went 15 innings, he was the story of that game up until you know that game decided to go uh, an he, extra game and a half. Yeah, what he struck out like seven, eight guys, six scoreless innings. I mean, just a dominant performance. He went, you know, toe to toe with uh, McClanahan. Uh, you know, their their Cy Young candidate. Uh, I, you know, just just a, oh, no. He went with uh, what the Glass other guy, Glasnow. Yeah, and uh, just uh, you know, just a great performance. I mean, this guy, you know, he he was worth waiting for. Remember, he was a number one pick. You know, he kind of kind of stalled a little bit with injuries in in the minor leagues with a shoulder injury and they were really really careful with them it kind of reminds me of how they're handling you know daniel espino but when he got here i mean you know he showed he was worth the wait and uh we haven't seen the best of him yet uh we saw cal quantrill emerge as you know pretty much a, an anchor for this club he was he was mr reliable uh just the number of uh outings that he was able to go out there and give him six innings uh put them in a position to win and uh, you know his a lot was written about his his winning streak at home at Progressive Field. You know, never being beaten at uh, at the ballpark until uh, that uh, Game Four loss in in the division series. Uh, yeah, I thought Cal Quantrill, um, as much as anybody, had a, a real breakout season for for the Guardians. Yeah, just you know, just really a. a, a just a joy to watch, you know, what he goes 15 and five, 3.38 ERA, 32 starts, 186 and a third innings. Uh, not a big strikeout guy, you know, we, we, we saw that, you know, induces a lot of contact, early contact, weak contact, 128 Ks, 47 strikeouts, 254 batting average against, but he's a grinder, Joe. I, I, you know, you know what you're going to get from this guy every ga- every game, you know, six, seven innings, um, and he just, uh, I, I really liked him. I, I thought he, like, he was the foundation of that rotation. You you counted on him. You knew what you were going to get, and he delivered, you know, what for uh, for his 30, for the 32 starts he made. And and the Guardians hit for him. They, uh, they, they gave him, what, 6.3 runs of support per nine innings this season. Uh, you know, when he was out on the mound, they they had some big innings and some big games offensively, and and that sort of helped him lock in and 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 just you know attack opposing lineups and and get quick innings and 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 you know put up really good numbers that way. Uh, his 
his uh, his sinker, his his uh, you know cut fastball. Those are, are are two really good pitches that he he uses. He knows what he's doing. He he plays with a lot of emotion. He's a fantastic quote post game. You can talk to him about pretty much anybody in the clubhouse, and he'll give you good responses uh, that that you can use in uh, in your stories and your coverage. Uh, just being around Cal Quantrill was was exceptional this year. He he was a as big a part of that rotation as anybody uh, you know that they have. Yeah, he has he had the good mojo going with the offense, Joe. So hopefully that carries over <laughs> to next year because that makes a big difference. And uh, you know he he induced sixteen uh, double play grounders, second on the team to Bieber seventeen. So. You know he he pitches he pitches the contact. He's not afraid of contact, and uh, you know he gets a lot of outs that way. He lets his offense, he lets his defense work. Okay, uh, we come to the the last two guys in the rotation. We'll talk about them together, uh, Aaron Savali and Zach Plesac, because because really there there were uh, a lot of injuries that both of them faced. There was a lot of you know in and out of the rotation. Uh, Savali in particular. Three injured list stints. Uh, Zach Plesac once again, uh, you know, doing something to to put himself in a disadvantaged position, punching the mound and and you know missing time because uh, he broke his uh, broke a, a bone in his hand again. Uh, what are what do the prospects look like uh, that both of these guys are are on the roster or in the rotation again at you know at the beginning of the season next year? You know, I think, Joe, I think the the, the prospects are, are fairly good. You know, I'm not going to say it's it's 80% or 100%, but, you know, I, mostly because, you know, it's it's hard to trade a player when, they, when, they, when they've had a down season, you know? I mean, or maybe on it. Maybe that's maybe that's the time when when a team feels they can you know kind of swoop in and and get a guy at his lo- the low point of his value, um, but I I guess with you know Plesac goes three and twelve, Savali's five and six, and Plesac had you know some unbelievably bad luck. I mean and you know and he he brought and he brought it on he brought some of it on himself obviously with the broken broken finger little finger on his right hand. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think the question is, what do they have behind these guys, Joe? Mm-hmm. What if you? What can they do if they do make a move with one of these guys? Who 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 replaces them? Well, and if you want to go with the uninspiring response to that question, guy like Connor Pilkington right now is on the roster, and and he could he could be a starter for them next year. Uh, Eli Morgan uh, could transition out of the bullpen and back to a, a starting role as, as that's where he was before. Uh, I, I don't see it really anybody else on the 40 man. What, what about Morris? What well, about- that's, I was, I was going to get to him. I, I was, I don't see anybody on the 40 man other than Cody Morris, who, you know, really has maybe earned a look at, at one of those two spots, but you've got to clear one of those spots first. Uh, I think personally, I think they've probably been trying to trade Plesac for two seasons now, and they they just haven't had any takers or had the right offer for him. I mean, uh, after the the stuff that he pulled back in 2020, I gotta believe that the the front office has been at least exploring or bringing up his name in pretty much every trade conversation that they've had. But 
uh, knowing that they've got a guy like a Cody Morris who was supposed to be ready at the start of last year. Uh, you've also got guys like Xavion Curry and uh, uh, who's the Ethan, uh, was it Ethan Hankins? Yeah, yeah, he's coming uh, off Tommy John. He should be. Uh, uh, not Ethan, I'm, I'm sorry, not Ethan Hankins. Uh, oh, uh, Gavin Hunter, Williams. Hunter, Hunter Gaddis. Hunter, Hunter Gaddis. Gaddis, yeah. Yeah, Hunter Gaddis, who, who, who both of those young guys that came up and made debuts. So those are going to be guys that are, you know, a phone call away, ready to make uh, spot starts. Uh, either one of those guys could be an upgrade from, you know, Tanner Tully's or, or Kirk McCarty's. Uh, but I, I think that they probably go into the season with both Savali and Plesak, uh in line to, to be in the rotation. Uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe you're, if, if they make a move before that, uh, Cody Morris gets the first shot at one of their spots. Yeah, that's, that. I would think uh, that's a good way of putting it. Um, you know, I like Morris. I, I thought, he, you know, he came up and they gave him, what, three or four starts? You know, I mean, the one start, he went five, six innings. You know, we saw him in the postseason come in and, and what's, I, I think he had that one really good relief appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of an interesting guy to me, if if he can stay healthy. I guess that's the big question with him. Yeah, I, I think a, a full off season to to sort of uh, you know uh, condition and and get himself ready. And if he comes into spring training healthy, uh, I think he could contend for a, a spot. You know, maybe that's one of the storylines that we track during the uh, during spring training is. You know, fourth or fifth spot, starting spot. You know, are there multiple contenders for it? If, if Plesac isn't sharp when he comes in. Um, all right, we've been talking about the rotation for for long enough here. Uh, it's uh, plenty to digest for our listeners as we uh, head uh, towards uh, the uh, end of the week and the start of the World Series. We'll uh, we'll do some preview uh, on uh, Thursday and Friday, looking ahead to the matchup between the Astros and the uh, Phillies, and then we'll uh, tackle some more of these position groups uh, as we get there. Maybe we'll even uh, maybe we'll even talk about the manager at some point and the uh, the coaching staff uh, for their outlook uh, uh, here in in 2023. Uh, great to talk to you, and we'll uh, we'll catch back up tomorrow here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe.